rest of you take your outline out. We're going to be talking about a very important subject today. The grace of giving. Yes, I know for some of you, you haven't been to church in a long time, and the first time you come back to church, the preacher's talking about what? Giving. But you know, I made you a promise last year that we're going to start the new year off by talking about this very important subject. But we got into the series on mercy so quickly that I haven't, didn't have a chance, and this is the first opportunity that I have, and so we have had to put it off just a little bit. And we do touch on it, I probably touch on it five, six times a year, but I've never preached an entire sermon on the subject, and so we're overdue and we're going to do it today. Let's take a look at the board. We're going to look at the words of Jesus himself. Dr. Luke says in Acts 20.35, Remember the words the Lord Jesus himself said. This is red letter edition, folks. There is more happiness in giving than in receiving. Now, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that happiness is based off of living generously? Do you believe that the church should be supported by its members? Yes, sir, I do. Do you generously support your church? No, sir, I don't. See, we, we believe what we put into practice. And so if we're not putting it into practice, we don't really believe it. Look up here on the board. Let me give you some st- statistics on uh, what Scripture has to say. Let's talk about the word believe or believer, or believing. That word appears some 275 times in the Bible. Look at the word pray. The word pray, or prayer, or praying occurs 371 times in the Bible. How about the word love, or lover, or loving? That appears 714 times in the Bible. Now let's get to that little four-letter word, G-I-V-E, give, or giver, or giving. 2,162 times. Do you see where the Bible puts the emphasis? Jesus talked about it all the time. And yet we don't emphasize it nearly enough. What if you took away, though, all the rules and all the regulations that we preachers sometimes lay on you, And you just boiled it down to its simplest form. I think you can boil boil it down to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 9-7. Every man, every woman, as he purposes in his heart, let him. Oh, I like that word. Let. It doesn't say make him. It doesn't say cajole him. It doesn't say guilt him. It says let him. Him. No threats here. God's people, I believe, will be more generous anytime we let them than anytime we try to make them, right? Let them is grace. Make them is law. Grace has the freedom and the joy. Law has the demand and the guilt. And what we've often done from our pulpits is we've taken a grace 
and we made it a law, and we bound you by law in order to make you do something that's good. And that's not the biblical way. You know where it all starts? Look up here. Here's the starting point of giving. you got to give yourself first. Give yourself first. Paul puts it like this in 2 Corinthians 8, 1-5. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to these Macedonian churches. Who were the Macedonian churches? There were those folks that Paul was doing this, you know, uh, missionary journey, going from place to place to place, and the Holy Spirit would forbid him from going here and then there and then there, and finally they end up on a beach in Troas. And he says, guys, I can't go any further. <laughs> the water's right there. I'm stuck on the beach. What do you want me to do? And that night he has a dream, and he sees across the ocean a man from Macedonia saying, come on over. Come share with us the good news. And boom, Paul gets like, hey, we need to rent a boat. (laughs) We need to get on the next boat to Macedonia. But these guys weren't rich. You know, you think you're poor? These guys spelled poor with 40 O's, man. It's like poor. And yet, the Jerusalem church had a need. There was a great famine going on. And Paul tells them about it. And they they want in on the action. They want to help share. But notice what Paul calls it. Brothers, I want you to know about the grace. Giving is always, according to Paul, spoken of as a grace, not a law. No one sings amazing law, but you sing an amazing grace. It is a grace of giving that God has given the Macedonian churches out of the most severe trial their overflowing joy. I like those two words. And their extreme poverty. What did I tell you about them? It welled up into rich generosity. See, until our giving is filled with overflowing joy, we haven't really learned what the Bible has to say about giving. And then it goes on to say, entirely on their own. Contrast that with, Bruce, what does the Bible say? Show me, where does the Bible say that I have got to give? I don't know verses like that. I'm not even interested in verses like that. I'm I'm interested in verses like this that say, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us, please let us give, please let us give, please let us give. We long for the privilege of sharing. And they did not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. That's the starting point. If you haven't given yourself to the Lord, it's not going to do you any good to give. You just become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You're just there to be seen. And there are a whole lot of Pharisees that did it that way in Jesus' day. Verse 5, And they did not as we expected. They gave themselves to the Lord. Someone says, well, how much do you give? Man, I bring in a whole tithe. I bring in the full tithe. You give 10%. Yes, I do. Wow. Well, that's nothing. I get 15%. Really? You get 15%? Before or after taxes? Man, before, man. I do the full thing, man. I do it all. Wow. Well, how much you give? Well, I give 100%. You don't give 100% of everything that you make. Well, see, I didn't know you were asking that. 
What I thought you meant was how much do I consider belongs to God? And it all belongs to Him. All of it. Every last bit. Why does God ask us to give? Because of this law of giving and receiving. Giving and getting. Keith talked about it this morning when we, we prayed. And before the, the plate was passed around. There is an immutable law that God has set into action. It's called the law of reciprocity. Give and you shall what? You finish it with me. Get. Receive. You got it. So you give and you get. How does that work? I don't fully understand how it works. All I know is there's this reaping and sowing process, and Paul tries to explain part of it, or let some insight into us in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 6. Whoever sows generously will also what? Reap generously. What if a farmer went out to a field, and he just took a handful of grain, and he threw it out there, and he expected to reap bundles next year? Would he? No, he'd reach about a handful. But if he sowed the entire field, see how that process, sow and you shall reap. See, we've taught giving is you just should give till it hurts. That's all you gave. That doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt enough. That's not the biblical way. It is a grace, folks. It is giving. It is getting. There's no motivation in the way many times we have taught this. God doesn't want to take what little you have and give it to somebody else. Now they've got it and you don't. Right? I mean, that, that, that is a divestment. And God here is talking about what? An investment. Do you see that? This is an investment that he's talking about. A, sower, a, a farmer sows, he invests the seeds so that he can reap. That's the biblical terminology if I understand it right. He who plants the garden ought to be the first one to eat out of the garden. I mean, you did all the work. Enjoy. Now, in verse 7, he goes on to say, Each each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I sometimes fail to hear the joyful cheerfulness as the collection is taking place. Oh, now don't get me wrong. God will receive from an angry giver, but he loves the heart of a cheerful giver. Are you getting this? And God is able, now watch all these alls in one every. You're going to get four alls in one every. All grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I love that. And God is able to make all grace abound. All grace. Every good work. What's the point? What's he trying to make here? What he's saying is, if you can learn this principle of cheerful giving, open-handedness, generosity, investment, sowing and reaping, giving and getting, You'll have food to eat. Your storehouse will become full. And you'll be a better man and a better woman. 
I think that's what Paul's saying. I think that's what the Word of God teaches on the subject. Look at Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Let's develop this. Let's build this. This is a huge verse. This is that give and you shall get verse. And how does that work? Well, I don't understand it completely, but let's try to get through this thing. Give and it will be given to who? You. Well, wait a second. If I give, how can I give and then it's given to me? I don't understand that, Lord. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. You get that running over part? Have you ever had so much that it's just you can't hold it all? Wow! I just picture your lap full. And it's spilling over. That's the way God wants to give into your life. For with the measure, see that word measure? That's important. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to who? You. To you. That is a very, very important verse. How does that work, Bruce? I don't know, but I don't know a lot of things. I am not a smart man. I don't know how a black cow can eat green grass and produce white milk and yellow butter. But I believe it happens. I don't understand the process. I know there's a process. There's somebody, somebody could explain that. I just don't understand. I'm not here to explain it. I'm here to announce it. That somehow, someway, my wife and I have tried this. When you give, we always live better than when we don't. How can God multiply that? I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I can't explain it, but I do want to announce it to you. I'd like to illustrate it. Many of you have already seen this. and If you've known me given, uh, talking about a given message, I've done this many times. Some of you are, we got some guests here today. You'll be seeing this maybe for the first time, and that's good. And those of you that have seen it before, I'm going to stir up your minds by way of remembrance. The Apostle Paul said that, right? Here comes the basket. At Camp Tonda, we use baskets. At our church, we use plates, all right? But here's something you need to understand. You never give to a plate. You put it in the plate, but who are you giving to, folks? God. Oh, I've got to give to that plate again. And who knows how the elders are going to use it. That's not your job. Your job is to give to the Lord. Now, this is merely the receptacle that we use. Here at Cross Point. But it's just a plate. Now I know not all of your giving goes into this plate. I know some of you serve on boards and you're highly interested in Christian education and a whole lot of your funds go into that. And that's a good thing. We appreciate that. Some of you give to other Christian charitable organizations that are doing a good job throughout the world, water projects and drilling wells. And I've heard a lot of good things that a lot of you are doing, and that's a good thing. But a whole lot of it goes in here, and that is also a good thing. Now, the text says, with what measure you use. That word measure is an interesting word. You ever measure a spoonful of sugar or flour. When you're baking a cake, measurements are important. And, you know, God says, I'm going to let you choose how much I bless into your life. And so I say, well, Lord, I kind of like this spoonful right here. That looks like a pretty good measurement to me. Here comes the basket. I'm excited. And yes, my attitude's right. Cheerful giver today. Yep, not an angry giver. 
I reach in. I say, I love the Lord. I'm going to give to Him out of my spoon. And the Lord says, Bruce! And I say, yes, Lord. May I borrow your spoon? My spoon? You want to borrow my spoon, Lord? That's right. Because that's how I'm going to bless you today. And I give my spoon to the Lord, and the Lord says, I love old Bruce. I'm going to give to him out of the spoon. And I say, is that the way that works, Lord? And the Lord says, that's the way that works, Bruce. And I say, well, I think I'd like to use a bigger spoon, Lord. And the Lord says, have at it, man. Use anything you want. The ball's in your court, right? I mean, I get to choose. He doesn't force it. It's a grace called giving. And I say, well, I think I will. I'm going to use a bigger spoon. I'll return these to the kitchen if you were looking for those, Stephanie. <laughs> Well, have at it. Okay, I love the Lord. I'm going to give him out of this bigger spoon. I want a blessing. Bruce, yes, Lord. May I borrow your spoon? thought you'd never ask, Lord. Here it is. And the Lord says, for with what measure you use in giving to others, I will use in giving unto you. Are you seeing this principle? <laughs> now, I'm not giving out of that yet, okay? I'll just be honest with you. But that's the direction I'm going. That's the direction I want to go. See, today's message is not guilt. Today's message is grow. Now, I know some of you are going, you know what? I've I, I really not been practicing this principle. It's kind of a new concept for me, and I, I don't even know where to begin. Can I let you in on a little insight? Don't try to start with that. If, you're not into, if you've not been giving on a regular, consistent basis, I know sometimes husbands and wives don't even talk about this. Uh, if you're a married couple this morning, I would suggest that you go home today and say, hey, what do you think of the message? What do you think we ought to do? Let's pray about this and talk about this. But I would suggest you start with something like this. I'm not kidding. If you're just starting, okay? And just say, God, and teenagers, young people, this principle you need to learn very, very early. Starving college students learn this principle very, very early. Give and you shall get. Say, well, I put in a spoonful last week and man, my car broke down. I'm not talking about that. That's not one of those health and wealth gospel type of messages on giving. I'm not saying that you put in a spoonful and God's going to lay a million dollars in your lap. Don't watch those guys on TV. They don't know what they're talking about. God's no fool. God is faithful. He's going to watch to see if you're faithful. But you faithfully obey God in the good times and in the bad times, consistently, week after week after week. You, you try that for a year and then look back and say, hmm, how is it we live so much better doing what the Bible says to do than when we didn't? You will find yourself being blessed by God and 
it will show up in so many different ways. That's why I'm saying I can't explain it. All I can do is announce it. And I'd be looking for your testimonies and your stories about how God used this grace called giving in your life. So I said, well, Bruce, talk about money. I thought you were going to talk about money this morning. Okay, I don't mind. You want to talk about money? I can talk about money. How much do you think a person ought to give? I had a guy ask me that one time. I said it just about that way. Well, there's a... I think even put on your outline here. There's a question that leads to trouble. <laughs> you see that? Well, let's, let's tackle this question by looking at the words of the Master. Look up here on the screen with me. Let's go now to Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus himself is with the disciples. They're in the temple. And it says this, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting money, putting their money into the temple treasury. Can you imagine of all the places that you would stop and sit and watch the worship service is right in front of the treasury. You're watching the offering. Now, they didn't take up the offering the same way we do today back then. If you went into the Jewish temple in Jesus' day, there would be a designated spot, and they would have all these big old long tubes that narrowed down and funneled into the big treasury over here. They had little um, uh, receptacles to receive the offering. And if you put into this tube, it might go into helping the widows. This one might help the orphans. This one might be the upkeep of the temple area. This one might go to the, um, uh, the, the temple priest or whatever. And so they had different designated areas where they were giving. Do you see what I'm talking about here? So that money was designated for this, that money was designated for that, and Jesus is watching. Did you know that as the collection was taken this morning, the offering was giving, God was watching? It says he watches. If he watched then, I'm pretty sure he watches today, don't you? And many that were rich cast in much. And there came a certain poor widow... We don't know her name, just a certain poor widow. And she threw in two mites, say a couple of pennies today. They say two mites would buy like a sparrow. Eh, ain't much of a meal, is it? Verse 43, calling his disciples to him, Jesus says, come over here, you've got to see this. This is amazing. I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. And they're going, what? What? That lady right there, the one that just put in the two pennies? How can that be more? They're asking in their heads. I don't know if they said it out loud, but you know in their minds. And you would have said the same thing because you're watching people putting in thousands of dollars, gold shekels and silver shekels, and now two little pennies go in? And Jesus is saying she gave more. How can that be? And the reason we ask that question is because we don't understand how much much is. And neither did they. What would you think if someone came into, a guest came into our assembly today, and he writes out a check, and as the plate was passed around, he put it in for $1,000. And as the deacons were sorting through it, man, what would you do? The deacon would say, I'd take that check. I'd run it over to the, one of our elders, and I would say, look at that. 
he'd say, where is he? Where is he? That's him over there. Let's go get him. We hug at Crosspoint, brother. You don't need to sit way back here. Look, we got a real nice seat right here for you, right up front. Jesus says, you judge with evil thinking. James says that. You got an evil heart. You got an evil mind. You don't know how much much is. Did you give the thousand? Uh-huh. Well, how, how many more thousand do you have at your disposal? I got 99 more thousand. Well, 99? Well, why, you only gave 1%, and 1% of anything isn't very much. Sir, did you give the hundred? No, I'm sorry. Did you give the dollar? How many more dollars do you have at your disposal? I have 99 more. Well, would you sit right alongside this fellow here? Because both of you gave just as to the little little girl. Before you go to children's church or your Bible class. Did you put in the penny this morning? Mm-hmm. How many more pennies do you have at your disposal? I have 99 more in my piggy bank at home. Well, if you wanted to, you could sit right along these two other fellows, right? No, I don't want to sit with them. I want to go to children's church. But she could, right? If you're giving prominent seats to those that we think give much, we don't know how much much is. Because all three gave just as. And that's why the Bible says, every person, as he purposes where? In his heart. Let him. Let him what? I say, let him alone. It's a personal thing. Let him, let her, work it out with their God and grow. Not my job, right? It's my job to teach. It's your job to talk to God about it. And grow in the Lord. Never judge another man in his giving. You say, well, I've made a financial demographic of this congregation and... and And on average, this congregation should, each family should be giving X amount every week. Well, you know what I say to that? If you put one bare foot on a hot wood burning stove and the other bare foot on a block of ice, on average, you would be miserable. You can't average grace. You grow in it. You experience it. It is the grace of of giving. And that's why we conclude with verse 44. Let's get to the end of this matter. They all gave out of their wealth. Who? The guys that are chucking in those silver shekels and those gold shekels. Thousands and thousands of what we would consider dollars today. But she, out of her poverty, now watch this next thing, put in, what's the next word? Everything, folks. She gave it all. Now let me ask you a question. You think God's going to let that poor widow starve? Not the God I know. Well, how can you prove that? Well, I read about a story in the Old Testament that there was a poor widow who had a son, and they were down to their last meal. And a preacher comes to the door named Elijah. God says, go to her house, ask her to feed you, see if she's willing. 
And she said, well, you know, I only got one more meal left. And my son and I are going to die after that. That's it. He said, well, would you feed the preacher first before you die? She said, okay. And you know what the Lord did? She did it. She obeyed God. And the next day when she opened her cupboard, she said, whoa, 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 where'd that come from? The meal that she had prepared for the preacher was back in the cupboard. I thought we ate all that yesterday. And she prepares another meal. And the next day she opens the cupboard, and there's that meal again. And the next day, and the day after that, and the day after that, until the famine was over. I don't think God's going to let this poor widow, a certain poor widow, we don't even know her name. I want to meet her when I get to heaven. Because this was a woman of faith, great faith. If you want the Rokas revised version on this verse, it goes something like this. For although they had much, and they gave much, and kept much, and that's not much, but she had a little and gave it all, and that's a lot. Never judge another man in his or her giving, you say. Well, you can't say that because you don't know old Charlie. Present Charlie's excluded. I use that name because I don't know any Charlies in our church, but we have some guests here today. So, well, what about old Charlie? Well, we work at the same place, and I just the other day happened to see his check. You know, I wasn't meaning, meaning to, but I saw it. And you know how much he makes a week? He makes $1,227.52. I just happened to see it. I just happened to see it. And this morning when the plate went around, he just put in 10. Now what do you think of that? Well, let me tell you something about old Charlie that you may not know. He's got an aging mother and father in an Arizona rest home. And every week he sends $500 to their care and comfort and well-being. He does... Well, I don't know, but he might. Right? And you don't know either. So never judge another man in his giving. Kid, that's not your job. Get off of his case and get out of his pocketbook. Every man as he purposes in his heart, let him. Now, Seven quick things. Nachi took 45 minutes to get to three. I took to 25 minutes or so to get to seven, but I'm going to go through these seven just like that, and you don't even have to take notes. I think I gave you all the answers, didn't I? Yes, I did. Number one, how giving benefits my life. Number one, giving benefits my life by making me more like God. John 3.16 is a perfect verse for this. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. Our God's a giver. And you are never more like God than when you're giving or forgiving somebody. Number two, giving draws me closer to God. Matthew 6.21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your heart is on earthly things, that's where your treasure is going to be. It's all about this life. But if your heart is on heaven then that's where your treasure's going to be. Number three, giving is a victory over materialism. I mean, does the American way, let's face it, doesn't the Constitution say something like life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness? 
No, it doesn't say that. Well, we sure act like it and live like it. But see, every time I give, it breaks the habit of materialism and gives me a victory over it. Paul will tell Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth. I mean, it can be gone just like that. Nachi told a story this morning. Did you say you guys had 40 servants in your home at one time? And how many acres? 46 acres? And then what? An apartment, $30 a month. And when you get out of bed, you bump against the wall and you can't even, just to get out. Wealth can be gone in an instant, folks. Just that quick, things can fall apart. Tell them. Tell them not to be arrogant. Because wealth is so uncertain, but to put their hope who? In God. I I don't think if that wouldn't have happened, Nachi would not be a believer today. But he put his hope in God. It was all a part of the process. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. It's not wrong to enjoy nice things, folks. You know, my wife and I try to get away once a year, at least go to Palm Springs, play around a round of golf together, eat at a nice restaurant. We have a blast. And, and I, whenever I feel just a twinge of guilt thinking about you poor people here just slaving away, I quickly think, Lord, it's not wrong. He said, just be generous with everything you've got. Share is the idea, what he's saying here. Everyone should share. But command them to be generous and willing to share, he says. Number four, giving strengthens my faith. Malachi 3.10 says, test me, try me, prove me. This is the one time in all the Bible where the Bible says it's okay to test God. You know, take that little spoon out and say, I'm going to test you this year, Lord. Here we go. God says, Test me, try me, prove me. I dare you. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. Remember that overflowing into your lap? It's just just spilling over. Who who gets to decide if God's going to do that in your life? You do. According to your faith, be it done unto you. Do you see how faith and grace and giving all connect together? And that is God's plan. God does not want the church to be supported by Friday night bingo night. The church is the support by giving. Number five, give an investment for an eternity. Giving is, it is an investment for eternity. Now, that old saying, you can't take it with you, that is true. But you know what? It's equally true that you can invest it and send it on ahead by investing in others that are going there. And Paul puts it like this in 6.18, 1 Timothy. Give happily to those in need and always be ready to share whatever God has given you. By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven. It is the only safe investment for eternity. And then number six, God's giving blesses me in return. Proverbs 11.25 says, A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. So in other words, whatever you give out in life, this is the Bible's way of saying you're going to receive back in life. If you're giving out a whole lot of criticism, 
guess what you're going to receive back in life? A whole lot of criticism. Why does everybody hate me on Facebook? I don't know. Let's see what you're dishing out. Right? We talked about using technology. I think the the best thing I heard today is some of you just need to delete your Facebooks and start fresh. Would you show us how to do that before you leave today? Anybody need a fresh start? (laughs) Let's just start clean. Clean and fresh. If you give out a lot of gossip, you're going to get gossip in return. But you know what? If you're giving out encouragement, if you're giving out in re- if you're giving out refreshment, you will in return receive encouragement and refreshment back. That's that biblical principle, that law of reciprocity. Number seven. We'll close with this. Given makes me happy. And now we've gone full circle. If you look at the top of your outline, what's the first verse we started with today? Acts chapter twenty. And verse 35, there is more happiness in giving than in receiving. Now, people who don't know that have never done it. And and that's the challenge this morning, to start doing it. It's not guilt, but grow. And then, one more time, Paul's words to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians Corinthians 8, verse 5, they first gave themselves to the Lord. Have you done that? Have you given yourself first to the Lord? Are you a child of God, really, is what I'm asking this morning. It it all starts there. By giving yourself to the Lord. He loves you more than His own comfort. He died for you. He rose for you. He's coming again for you one day. You've got to give yourself first, though, to receive it. See, God doesn't need your money. You know what he wants? He wants what it represents. And what does your money represent? It represents you. It represents your faith. It represents how much you trust him. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day. We're going to sing an invitation song here in just a moment. It it is our custom. And... uh, Luis, if you'd be really ready to meet people in our prayer room this morning, if you see one of our elders, Luis Robles, this morning over here, uh, you can give him your hand and God your heart, and we can, we can accept your confession that you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You can become a believer in Jesus this very morning. And you know the very first thing believers did is they put their Lord on in baptism. And we can even make arrangements for that. If you're here this morning and you're subject to the invitation, let us know as together we stand and as we sing.